Hello everyone, this is Tala with Drive Through Therapy. Thank you guys so much for joining me tonight on another episode. And as always, I'm grateful for your support. And uh, I'm starting to feel a little chilly tonight. I actually have the window open. I don't need any air conditioner. <laughs> I don't need any fan, which is uh, telling me it's the beginning of fall, people. I need to whip out my fall decorations and put them all around. Um, and yes, I do do themed decoration situation. That's what I got going on here. Uh, ever since having a, a child, it it makes sense to do the decoration thing. I don't know. I didn't find it useful, of course, before I had a son. But when you have a child, it's like all that stuff becomes fun. And you get to see uh, the impact the innocence of it all in your child's eyes when they see those decorations and they're just so excited about it. I imagine eventually he'll become jaded, but <laughs> for now, I'll take advantage of the excitement and do the decorations. I think they never go out of style. So, um, yeah, every fall we'll whip out those fall decorations, put them all around with the scarecrows and the pumpkins and the cornucopias. Yeah, we like that shit around here. I don't mind it. <laughs> so as a therapist, it is very common for me to meet people during a time in their life where they have they are facing some sort of crisis, some sort of extreme, and that they are coming in for help during that situation, for support during that situation. What most people don't understand is that although uh, they might come in during that time that's extreme and it feels good to to have that support i don't want people to quit but they eventually kind of start to feel better and then they'll stop coming back to session without the proper termination uh, and the skill building that we need to have to prevent future fluctuations significant mood fluctuations that result in a kind of a crisis for us so i always recommend to people that continue with therapy until both of the patient and the clinician can uh, determine where they're at in their treatment and in their progress and determine whether they need to terminate or continue or just do maintenance, which is, you know, monthly perhaps or every couple of months, uh, whatever the case is. But yeah, I, I want people to continue to do the therapy until they are building skills to move them for, forward for a lifetime. And yeah, that's the purpose of all this. We don't have to wait till it's a crisis to start building skills and to develop healthier habits of coping. We can do the preventative work now, now before it gets too, too bad. But unfortunately, most people will uh, wait until it's really, really bad before they go seek the help to work on themselves. And what's beautiful about the therapeutic process and why it feels really good while you're in it, for the most part, <laughs> even if you're uncomfortable with it, it still feels good after the session is done. It's kind of like an exercise, you know, going in, you don't, you don't want to do the work, but after you leave, you just feel better. You feel like you've unloaded and you, you know, you feel more in tune and in alignment. 
So the therapeutic process and its benefits is that you get to work on yourself and to take care of yourself in that one hour, one session, maybe twice a month. And it feels good. It helps us feel supported and uh, in a lot of ways cared for, but not because the other person is, is doing it, but it's a moment in time that allows us to care for ourselves and sometimes we can spend months, weeks, and days and not do the self-care we need. And so therapy, in a lot of ways, forces us to look at ourselves and address those issues within us. And it's an act, believe it or not, of self-love and self-care, true self-care. I don't want anybody to miss that process. It's pretty cool. But let's say you are not going through that process. Tonight is about talking about self-care and self-love but I want to come at it from a different angle tonight. The angle I'm going to be coming at it from is self-love, but our journey to getting there. And this journey starts early on in our life. You know, some of us may be born into families where love is given unconditionally. Love is healthier. It's stable. It even is secure. And we know that no matter what occurs, we will be loved. You know, we might be corrected. We might be given a timeout, but we're going to still be loved by the family member. We know it comes from a good place. Now, there's a range of different ways that we're raised. Now, on an other extreme, we have a situation where we could be raised with a family that neglects our needs, where the parents might be selfish might have might might be chasing their own needs and the child the children's needs are not a priority at which point the child learns to fend for themselves they learn that love is not guaranteed and it is very much conditional i have to chase it or perform for it at which point it makes me as this child growing into adulthood starting to see people in a in a way of distrust. <clears throat> so I carry some baggage there, friends. I will be carrying baggage that looks at love people as a threat to me, especially the idea of love as a, as a threat to me. I am going to start developing a fear uh, that I think is developed in all of us, There's, uh, but in different levels, right? You know, even if I grew up in a very healthy family, I will develop that fear. And the fear I'm talking about is the fear of being alone. This is a human fear for all of us. It's not something unusual. But again, depending on our childhood and what happened there, it may determine the level of fear you have of being alone. Now, the result of our fear of being alone, which is, I'm telling you, the core belief almost everybody has at some level, you know, whether... I grew up in a loving family or in an unhealthy, toxic family unit. It's going to be there. It's an underlying fear. Uh, I guess that's the best way to say that. <laughs> but I suspect because of its normal presence in all of us human beings, it helps us meet an important goal. It's not useless. The fear of being alone is not useless at all. It is very useful to look at. Because eventually, depending on the level of it, it'll cause us some suffering. And you'll see this manifest in how you try to 
resolve this fear. So for example, you may go to one extreme where your fear of loneliness will make you cling on to someone and control someone so they don't leave. Or it will get you to the other extreme of you are so afraid of being alone that you're not willing to take a risk with anybody and you don't form any healthy relationships. You tend to, you may tend to avoid or manipulate people in order for you to emotionally get what you want. And then you kind of, kind of leave. Um, and so you don't really build any emotional, healthy emotional connections or enjoy people for that matter. Both, uh, situations really use a lot of manipulation tactics in order for us to avoid facing the fear of being alone. So those are just the extremes, but many of us may reside somewhere in the range of between. Our fear of being alone a lot of the times helps us to look at the way our relationship with ourselves is. You know, we are born by ourselves physically and the clue is there on its own that we are meant to be this way. We might meet and interact with people, but it is not for the purpose of keeping that person next to us for a lifetime, forever. But unfortunately, we feel really good when we're around these people and our instinct is to hold on to them or keep them, or if I'm afraid to hold on and trust anybody because I don't want to get hurt, I might let them go. Again, both extremes. So we never function or learn the lessons we need to learn from that fear of being alone. There's a purpose to that fear in our human psyche. Uh, There's a purpose to that because resolving it will really help us get to something that without it, we won't get there as effectively. And that is self-love. Because of the relationship problems that we're going to have when we have this very hardcore fear of being alone, that's going to cause us to uh, do funny things in relationships and with people and with connections. It is going to force us into finally having to remove all the conditions we placed in order for us to love ourselves. And what I mean by that is people, when they come along in life, accomplishments, things like that, at first, these all seem to fill in a a good feeling. We focus on them, right? If it's a partner or relationship, we focus on it. We start to measure our value based on the milestones we meet in that relationship. Are we uh, engaged? Are we going to get married? Are we going to have children? <laughs> all, that, all that stuff we're trying to build in there, thinking that all these things will bring us satisfaction. The fear of loneliness also can, on another extreme, make us go through a lot of partners right? Have many, 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 many partners that we choose not to invest in one because again, we're afraid of being alone. So we keep many, uh, but invest in nothing. And we, because we're so afraid of the pain of being alone and uh, being rejected. So we just, again, try to take a shortcut there. All of which is finicking with the outside world and not looking at our inner world. Because this fear that's making us, that's making us act on this, uh, extreme level is saying something on the inside of us. 
And that is my self-love is in a place that is not protecting me or not helping me grow into self-love and self-autonomy. And that's really what we're built to do, friends. We're not built to read people's mind. We're not built to keep a person next to us for a lifetime. We're not built to do all that. If you look at all the clues, they point to you building a relationship with the conscious self on the inside, um, with the conscious being that you are on the inside. And that's so relieving for me to know because a lot of our conditioning growing up is that we feel better when we are with a person. And that may be true. But if I feel better only with a person, then a lot of the times my relationship with myself only is nice, kind, and compassionate for myself when I'm around another person. It is not on its own. I don't feel worthy. I don't feel valuable. I don't feel lovable when I don't have the attention or the presence of another person in my life. And this results in suffering, friends. And the suffering that we experience needs to be looked at, really needs to be looked at. But a lot of the times we want a shortcut to that. We want to put another person in place. So I go from one relationship to another, or I'll make a friend real quick, or I'll be so needed by someone so that's why I can please them so they can love me, blah, blah, blah. The funny things we'll do in order for us to avoid the feeling of being alone, which is painful to many, again, which is pointing to our limited self-love, limited self-acceptance. And I can only see myself with any depth at all when I'm only around a person. So how do we heal this mess? Um, first, we acknowledge that it's there in us, this fear of being alone. We all have it, again, different levels. But I need you to discover what it is doing in your life. Whatever the fear of loneliness is making you do, is it making you settle for you know, someone being there rather than you being by yourself, because I just don't want to be by myself. and I'm too afraid. Uh, is it making me settle for a, a person that is not worthy of my time? Or they might deserve somebody else who maybe cares about them a little bit more. And I'm just using them, perhaps whatever you need to kind of confront within yourself. See what this fear is making you do. And, and we all have it. Like I said, there's not, there's no shame in identifying that within us. Really take the shame out and start looking at it because we need to heal it. All arrows eventually will be pointing to what happens to you when you're by yourself. That's the evidence we're looking at here. Do I like myself? And how long will I like myself? Do I have conditions to liking myself? Again, is it just people that I only like myself when I'm around people? Or do I only like myself when I have a job? Do I only like myself when I clean my house? Do I only like myself when... How many conditions do you place on your self-love? That's pretty important because nobody there is policing you. Nobody is telling you, hey, there should be rules on there. You can't just love yourself because you love yourself. It's just too selfish. You know, we can't, we can't do that. You got to 
You got to have some rules about your self-love. You got to clean the house first. You got to get a degree first. You got to marry the right guy first before you start loving yourself. Um, and so nobody places these conditions on you except you. And it's comforting to know that nobody out there is policing it. Only me and only the rules that I have not checked from my subconscious my subconscious is acting on instincts. It's acting on what it's learned through the years. And if I don't consciously become aware of what my subconscious is doing, then I'm just going to be living a, um, whatever messages that I have in my subconscious. And friends, some of those messages may not be healthy for me. So let's take a look at that suffering, that feeling of torture and pain when somebody breaks up with me and I just can't, I can't conceive being alone and I have to keep going back to them. And I wonder why, why do I go back to them? I can be fine by myself. Well, then try it. Try living by yourself with no conditions. Try living by yourself with no pressure. You'll find out real quick what you sound like on the inside, because it's going to make you seek something quickly to distract you from it. So being able to sit with yourself, to, to increase that love within you for you is really part, a natural part, dare I say it, of our journey as a human being, if not a milestone. We have to go through the suffering and the fear in order for us to finally confront that fear and what it's making us do in our life so we can upgrade into a better quality of life in which I don't need people. I don't need achievements. I enjoy them. I enjoy people. I enjoy these things that I do, but I still have a great relationship with myself, whether that person leaves. It doesn't mean I don't feel heartbreak. It just means that it, it's not to the point where I am just self-destructive. I can't ever move forward. I can't move on. Nothing survives after this. And, and I can't conceive a life without that person because all my good feelings just reside in that person. When they left, I don't have any more good feelings. I don't know where to get them. So I need that person back so I can get those good feelings, you know, or a job that I might have put out all my investment emotionally and as in um, I thought this would be my value this job would be my value it would be everything that I wanted it to be it would make me the happiest person alive or whatever I've created about it if the job is no longer there how will I respond will I fall apart well I have no more value because that job is not there well I will I cease to exist and all my value be dismantled when this job is not there you see, those significant responses, those responses that cause us suffering are important to look at. We must walk towards them, not walk away from them, not do a quick patch-up job. It's all about looking at what these situations, these intense feelings are telling us about where our self-love is at. If I cannot sit with myself through thick and thin and sound like buttercream cake icing on the inside, then... Who do I count on to sound better than me about me? Who do I give that much power to? What do I give that much power to to sound better about me than me? If that thing has that much power, then believe me when I tell you, once it plays out its uh, lifespan in my life and it's no longer there, where will I be? 
with me. I'll still have to deal with me. Some people will go to extremes. They'll say, well, I got to work on myself, so I can't be with anybody else. No, how about you work on yourself in whatever situation you're at? That's what it's about. It's working on myself, even if I'm in a relationship, even if I'm dating. You're still working on yourself no matter what. The world does not stop. Life does not stop. Right about this time, some of you might be asking, well, Tala, how do I get to work on myself, love? And that's wonderful. How we do that is by taking a look at what else sounds better about us than ourselves. Then we start setting that thing free, meaning that we are no longer using it to validate ourselves with it, whatever that may be. Uh, our job, our another person, doesn't mean we let them go. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying inside our head, we stop using those things as our value. So when I look at a partner and I'm, I'm going to ask them, oh, how do I look, <laughs> right? Or you know, I have a bad day and I need them to feed me better food, emotional food than I feed myself. I'm going to need to stop and I'm going to sit with myself and I'm not going to make them try to heal me, fix me, save me from anything. I'm just going to sit with myself and have to practice and build the muscle of self-love. And every time I do that, every time I sit with myself and I speak to myself compassionately, I talk to myself in the way that I want this partner or this friend to talk to me. And I give that to myself every time, even if I don't believe it, which is another way to say I don't feel it's familiar coming from me. That's okay. I'm going to keep practicing it until it becomes my familiar, at which point that's when you start believing things. They're just becoming more familiar to you. That's what that means. The same thing with a job. If I always looked at my boss and I determined my value based on his or her responses, then at that point, I'm going to stop looking at their responses. I'm going to stop reading too much into emails or making everything about me at work, at which point I'm offended all damn day and I'm hurting myself, right? I'm only good and I feel good if my boss acknowledges me. But if I the boss doesn't acknowledge my work, then I just hate it and I hate myself and I get angry at them and I want them to give me this acknowledgement so I can love myself. Set them free from that shit. Go ahead and take responsibility for how you feel and your offense and sit with it. Set everything, all these conditions free. They don't have to be met in order for you to sound wonderful on the inside to yourself, sound compassionate and loving and attentive. Whatever it is that you want from another person, you can give that to you. You can truly give that to you with practice. But if I continue to use other people to reinforce my fear of being alone, to reinforce the other fears that I got, that my need for value, my need uh, for whatever I think these things fill up within me that I give them, I give that person so much power to do, I need to take that power back and relieve them from having to do all that work. Because let's say they're having a rough day around me. They can't have a rough day without me being offended about it because I have this thing that says, oh, it's all about me. I need so much from you. You just can't have a bad day. And for me not to blame myself for it, (laughs) the person becomes you know, a measure of your value and they're not free and you're not free. So set them free. I hope this makes sense. We set all this stuff free internally and we start really taking responsibility for how we feel and what we think and that fear that we have to heal. 
in order for us to live a quality of life that uh, is equal, equal to paradise, peace, serenity, all the good stuff possible when I take responsibility for my feelings and my actions and my thoughts. Yeah. Uh, so that's how you work on self-love. You allow the opportunity to tell yourself all the words you want to hear from other people. They're not injecting you with feel-good hormones. I promise you. They're not doing anything special. All they're doing is saying just the words that you want them to say deep down inside. And you feel better, but they're not injecting you with neuroepinephrine and, and dopamines. They're not. They're not. You're the one producing them and you're giving them the credit in doing so. So the more you give away that credit, then you train your brain that you do not have this rush of serotonins and dopamines and neuroepinephrines unless somebody's there or unless somebody has a certain response. That's what you're teaching your brain to do. Just like you could teach it to do that, you can also teach it that whenever I want validation, love, affection, support, respect, I go within. I go within. When I want wisdom, when I want advice, I also go within. I check something within me. And if you believe in something that resides within you, wonderful. You know, uh, some people believe in the Holy Spirit, a God, a higher self. Wonderful. Wonderful. All of those things are also a great support because they work with you. They say that you have the potential of creating a paradise within and healing yourself because of this thing that you connect with. So you're not alone. You're never alone. That thing that's in you that connects with that is never alone. Whether you want to call it your consciousness, your uh, a God, uh, uh, whatever it is connects with you, the universe, energy, whatever you want to call it, it connects with you. And because it connects with you, it works with you, again, never alone. I sound good about myself because I live with myself all day. I give myself credit. I acknowledge myself. If I need to take a break from something, I just take it. I don't guilt or shame myself for taking a break. I don't place conditions on myself in order for me to uh, stress less. I don't tell myself you need to worry to be more responsible. I don't give those messages to myself anymore. I start taking responsibility for how I feel and work with myself. If I need a break, I take a break. If I need to rest, I take, I take some rest. If I need to lower my caseload, I, I ask to lower my caseload. If I, whatever it is I'm needing, I'm going to, I'm going to give myself, if I need to eat my meal, you know, I'm going to eat that meal. I'm going to take a lunch break. Anything that I need, I am my best friend, especially on the hardest times when somebody uh, breaks up with me or uh, I don't get uh, a job that I want. I am there, especially on those days. I'm available to myself emotionally. I recognize and acknowledge how I feel. I take responsibility for that. And then that's where my self-compassion and love comes in. I do whatever it takes on the inside to to spend time with my best friend that's within and better quality of life, I tell you. So this episode is really a mishmash of multiple things, but I hope you get the feeling I'm trying to convey here, specifically talking about the fear of being alone and how it leads us 
to self-love. It is the path that leads us to self-love, funny enough. But unfortunately, because a lot of us, uh, when we fear something, we act on instinct and never check it, then a lot of us are still in that suffering and have not learned from the suffering, have not learned to look at it and identify what it's really telling us about where we're at with our self-love. That's all connected, friends. It's all connected. So I encourage you to investigate within you. There's a beautiful world within you and it's damn lonely. It feels so freaking lonely on the inside if you are not in it. If you are not in that world, um, tending to your own uh, gardens on the inside. Like I always say, if you're not in there participating in that, yeah, you're, you're going to have that fear of loneliness direct you instinctually to make decisions that feel like you're out of control or that you need to control some shit that is out of your control. Uh, either way, we, it results in chaos and insanity. And nobody wants that. <laughs> we want to heal, friends. We want to heal. I hope this helps you guys today. And I hope this makes sense in the mishmash of things. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining me tonight. I'm sending you love and light as always. And please understand that the gift of self-love is already in you. All you gotta do is open it up. This has been an episode of Drive Through.